So at 6 p.m. Friday night, you're tuned in to Louie Live. I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. Going to start the show off today with a little Aerosmith with a song called Eat the Rich. And you're definitely going to want to turn it up for this one, folks. We're going to start your Friday night out the right way.
All right, that was Aerosmith with a song called Eat the Rich. And hopefully that's starting out your weekend on a positive note. Hopefully everybody's out of work. They're already at home or on their way home. Get all cleaned up. Go out for the evening. Get something good to eat. Hope everybody had a nice Christmas and a happy new year. I did. I was gone for a while. Had relatives. My daughter and her family stopped up from California for a couple of weeks. That was fun. They all walked in the door with the flu. And uh, tried to resist it as long as we could. But eventually, when you're in a house full of people, and half the people got the flu, you know, the other half eventually are going to get the flu also, right? So... My voice sounds a little bit off tonight because I'm just getting over the flu myself. I'm a person who never gets sick. I don't get headaches or sore throats. Knock on wood, right? But I do get the flu about once every 10 years or so, but it usually lasts me about a day and that's about it. A lot of it going around, folks. That time of year, it's definitely flu season. So, usually, there's not much good read on the news. And we're always looking for something. And being the beginning of a new year, 2020, there's always the first baby to be born in the United States or the state of Vermont where we are. So this says, meet Vermont's 2020 baby new year. Beginning for most families, welcoming a child into the new decade. Our Dom Amato caught up with Vermont's first baby born in 2020 and introduced us to the new year's baby from across our region. His name is Ronan J. Booten. It's quite a name, is it? Ronan? Kind of uh, like that guy that was on the Lord of the Rings in The Hobbit, remember? So it says uh, everybody kept saying he was going to be the New Year's baby, and I said, no, I don't think so, said Mom Mandy Booten of St. Albans. Vermont's first baby born in 2020 arrived at 12.36 a.m. It was very quick and very unexpected, his mother Mandy said. Ronan J. Booten was not scheduled to be here until January 16th. Wow, so he was a couple weeks early. But he had other plans, his mom said. The healthy boy weighed 7.6 pounds and is 19 inches long. Can you imagine that? So it's a good thing that he did come a couple weeks early, folks, because 7.6 pounds, I mean, in another couple weeks, this baby might have been another pound heavier. It'd be like... Uh, Delivering a bowling ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the mom, Mandy, and dad, Ryan, were caught a bit off guard for Ronan's arrival. He said, I hadn't had any contractions. I had just gone to the doctors at nine, and they said everything was great, the mother, Mandy, said. So now they have a little advice for expecting parents. Pack your labor bags early. Mandy advised because it could happen quickly and we're kind of in a frantic. Yeah, I would say so. You go to the doctor's 9 o'clock in the morning, they tell you everything's good. 
Next thing you know, you're having contractions and you're on your way to the hospital two weeks early or so, 16 days approximately, and you're delivering a 7.2 pound butter ball. Wow. But you know, in this country, as great as it is, they tell everybody, and they tell this little baby in particular, that you live in the greatest country in the world, and someday he could grow up to be the president of the United States. Right? We're going to have an election in the year 2020. Donald Trump, the recumbent, is most likely to be reelected. All the polls are saying it. Even the evil media that really despises him for beyond reasons, I don't know, because the economy is really booming. Consumer confidence is higher than it's ever been. <coughs> Unemployment is lower than it's ever been. They're building more housing in Vermont than I've ever seen. The roads are in pretty good shape. Like I always say, folks, it's not the president that's screwing people over. It's your local politicians right here in Vermont, right here in the city of Burlington. These are the people that are making your life miserable. It's not the president of the United States. But like I say, maybe this little Ronan will grow up someday to be the president of the United States. This person right here, Democrat Julian Castro, he's dropping out of the 2020 presidential race, as a lot of them are. Former Obama housing secretary he is, Julian Castro, this past Thursday, ended his run for president that pushed the 2020 field on immigration and swung hard at rivals on the debate stage, but never found a foothold to climb from the back of the pack. From the back of the pack. He says, I'm so proud of the campaign. We've run together. We've shaped the conversation on so many important issues in this race. Stood up for most vulnerable people and given a voice to those who are often forgotten. Castro said in an online video, but with only a month until the Iowa caucuses, and given the circumstances of this campaign season, he says, I have determined that it simply isn't our time. Well, it's because he's not getting any major contributions financially. That's what they're all about, folks, money. And when you see people like Bernie Sanders and those guys, the last quarter they raised $34 million, Bernie Sanders did. Joe Biden raised $22 million. The mayor of a little town in Indiana, which nobody knows about, which isn't probably getting more than 1% of the polls. Peter Buttigieg raised $24 million in the last quarter. Can you imagine that, folks? They showed a rally back in Indiana at the mayor, Pete Buttigieg, 
held and the people were bullying him. They don't like him. He didn't even dare to run for re-election because he knows that he would not be re-elected in the little town of Indiana where he's from. So how was it that somebody like this raised $24 million in the last quarter alone? Well, it's pretty obvious, folks, that uh, the crime world is laundering money through their websites and their campaigns. Remember the last time that Bernie Sanders ran for president? He was running for the nomination of the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party was broke. Financially kaput, folks. It's a well-known fact that Hillary Clinton came along and gave the DNC $20 million to keep them floating. So that what they did in return was they gave Hillary the Democrat nomination to run for president of the United States against Donald Trump. So they had no money between all of them a few years ago. No money. But here it is a few years later and the mayor of Indiana little town of Indiana raised $24 million in the last quarter on his own. Joe Biden, just about a month ago, they said he didn't have any money. He said, don't worry about it. I'll get plenty of money. Well, now he's got like $22 million. Bernie Sanders has like $34 million. I don't believe any of this, folks, not for a split second. What I do believe is all of these Democrat candidates running for president of the United States make these statements showing that they obviously represent the crime world. And they're all for illegal immigrants and dropping the borders. You know, it tells me that they're representing the crime world on many levels, including the drug cartels. And now, they've all got a chest full of money. But yet, they go to the rallies and nobody attends. They don't have any rallies, really. You know, they're all down in New Hampshire and uh, they show Joe Biden walks into a diner and there's some guy sitting there eating breakfast or whatever, maybe lunch. And Joe Biden walks over wanting to shake the guy's hand. The guy's like, uh, I'm not voting for you. Please don't bother me. I'm trying to eat my lunch. <laughs> I mean, really? They're not even drawing any crowds. <laughs> then there's Donald Trump. He could say, I'm going to be in New Hampshire tomorrow. And all of a sudden, the lines will start forming. And there will be approximately 20,000 people crammed into an arena with another 20,000 standing outdoors in the cold, watching the monitors.
Donald Trump supposedly raised over $46 million the last quarter. That, I believe. The other Democrat candidates, I don't believe that any of them could raise any money whatsoever. So, we're going to go to a song. And what should we play? About a little Van Halen. This is a song called I'll Wait. And it's from 1984. And once again, folks, you're listening to Louie Live. And I'm your host, Louie. And we are definitely live. And I have one rule, basically, for listening to my show. And that's that you have to have a good stereo. And you're definitely going to want to turn it up right about now. So here we go, little Van Halen.
All right, and that was Van Halen with a song called I'll Wait. So, it's a new year, and a lot of new things are happening right here in Vermont and across the country and around the world. This article says a new year brings Vermont minimum wage increase. People working in Vermont for the minimum wage are getting a raise with a new year. Effective Wednesday, Vermont's minimum wage increases 18 cents an hour. Wow. Don't pack your bags to go to Hawaii yet, folks. So, getting an increase, 18 cents an hour to $10.96. You go out to a restaurant, that won't even buy you a hamburger. Thanks a lot for letting us live with dignity, folks. Right? what I say, you know. It used to be the American dream that you got out of high school, you married your high school sweetheart, you got a house, you had a couple kids, got a dog. That was the American dream. People were satisfied with it. But nowadays, I read these articles here on the radio, and it's saying that people can't even afford to go out on a date, let alone get married, buy a house, have a couple kids, and get a dog. And a lot of the other people are going to college, going in debt about $100,000, or their parents are by signing their lives away for parent-plus loans. It's one thing you never hear about, folks. Loan forgiveness. Student loan forgiveness, that's all you ever hear about. A lot of these students never had a job in their life. Their parents put them into college, send them off four to five years, and they end up coming home, living back with their parents until they can find a job. You know, if they manage to take loans out on their own, which is highly unlikely because Obama passed a law saying like a lot of students couldn't take out loans, so that put the parents on the front burner, and the parents had to sign their life away with Parent PLUS loans, which you don't hardly ever hear about. Especially Parent PLUS loan forgiveness. That would be nice to hear someone talk about this besides me, right? Because you're never going to hear anyone else ever talking about Parent PLUS loan forgiveness. Like I said, the students come back home. Some of these colleges, they help students create their own degree. And one thing for anyone out there listening who's thinking about going to college and creating your own degree, that that is something that you're going to be holding in your hand, maybe someday a piece of paper, a degree from a college with something that you majored in that you and with the help of the college created in your own little minds, <clears throat> right? So when you get out of college and you're about eighty dollars to $100,000 in debt and you have that degree in your hand with something that you created yourself, well, folks, the reality is there's no jobs out there for that. 
It's something that you created in your own mind and the college backed it up. Because if they say, sure, we can uh, help you to craft a degree bouncing a tennis ball off of the wall. And we will give you a certificate at the end providing that you pay us $50,000 a year. So, $50,000 a year, they're going to be helping you to craft your degree with a specialty of bouncing a tennis ball off of the wall. And then you will graduate. And you will have a bachelor's degree in bouncing a ball off of the wall. What good is that going to do you folks? Nothing. Not any good at all. Nothing whatsoever. And you will probably be the only person on the planet Earth that has a degree in bouncing a tennis ball off of the wall. That's going to look really nice hanging on a wall over your desk in your parents' basement. I don't know, folks. But like I was saying, effective Wednesday, Vermont's minimum wage increases to 18 cents an hour to $10.96. That right there is not living a life of dignity. You won't be able to afford to go anywhere, do anything, buy a house, buy a car. You will be living with your parents for the rest of your life. It's crazy, isn't it? Vermont law requires that the minimum wage be calculated every year using the rate of inflation as determined by the Consumer Price Index. This year's increase is 1.7% over the 2019 figure. The adjustment also affects tipped employees, like servers that work in bars and restaurants. The minimum wage for tipped employees is half of the full minimum wage. And starting on Wednesday, the tipped minimum wage is increasing to $5.48 an hour, plus tips. So you know, folks... You can go into pretty much any restaurant and get a burger. And it's going to cost you $15. That burger doesn't cost $15. And a lot of them will say, Vermont native beef, grass-fed. Well, you know, folks, when I was a kid, my mother would go into the butcher shop And she would not buy any beef that was Vermont native beef, grass-fed. Because that meat is pretty tough. I mean, it's not fed with nice grains and corn and whatever. It's mostly raised on being fed grass out on the range. Open-range Vermont native beef. You know, 
They shouldn't allow people to go to school and get degrees in marketing. Because they're basically BS salesmen is what they are. Like I said, folks, my mother would not buy native Vermont beef that was open range, grass fed. No, sir. Because that meat was tough. And nowadays, they pull the marketing bamboozle on you. They pull the wool right over your eyes. Making you think, oh, this is some tough meat. But we're going to make it politically correct. Or we're going to make it sound like eating it's like a piece of heaven, you know. Slice of heaven right on your plate. Vermont native, open range, grass-fed beef. It's not good, folks. And when you go into a restaurant, like I said, the average burger is like $15. But when you're getting Vermont native beef, open range, grass-fed, wow. You're probably not going to be paying $15 for a burger. You're probably going to be paying closer to 20 God only knows if they're going to throw in some french fries. Marketing is also like brainwashing. Because that's basically what they're doing to people, folks. They're brainwashing you to think that these cows that are outdoors most of the time, they're not getting a lot of grains, they're not getting fed a lot of corn... They're just out there fending for themselves, basically looking for something to eat. Some grass, maybe a clover here and there. It's not good. But like I say, you're going to have to work about an hour and a half just to afford a burger. What would happen if you were married and had two kids? You go out in a restaurant, it's going to cost you about $100 just to eat burgers, fries, and a Coke. A lot of times you bring kids out to a restaurant, they don't even eat. They just take a couple bites after you've coaxed them for about a half hour. Come on, take a bite, take one more bite, take another bite, come on, take one more bite. And then the mother and the father, they start going into the the bribe part of dinner. You know, if you'll be good, we're going to get you dessert, right? We'll get you some ice cream or a brownie or whatever. Just take one more bite of your hamburger. So, like I was saying, if you're making $10.96 an hour as of Wednesday, the minimum wage is being increased a whole whopping 18 cents an hour. And if you do have a spouse and a couple kids, you go out to dinner, it's going to cost you about 100 bucks. You're going to have to work all week, folks, to go out and eat dinner. It's not fair that some people would work so hard and have nothing. And some people do hardly any work and rake it all in because... They have a college degree. 
And I've been on the airwaves for many years now. And I've always said that education was going to be the ruin of the United States. We're pretty much at that point. It used to be the mentality that you could start at a job at the bottom and work your way to the top. And when you got to the top, you knew everything about that country, a company, and you deserved to be at the top. And you deserved to be making the income that you are. But nowadays, people think for some reason that if you didn't go to college and get a degree for any reason, then you deserve to live the life of hardship. Pretty sad, but that's what's happened in this country, folks. Not everybody is meant to go to college. Not everybody wants to go to college. But if you don't go to college, you shouldn't be forced to live a life of poverty because you didn't go. I said that education would be the ruin of this country. And nowadays you're seeing a lot of people are suggesting that you go to a trade school and learn a trade instead of going to college. <coughs> this is the thing, folks. The more money that you make, the less that you are going to want to go out and mow your lawn, clean your house, paint your fence, work on your car, or do any form of manual labor. And because of the fact that you have a lot of income coming in, because you have a master's degree or a PhD or something, the people that don't have the educations, they are smart enough to realize that if you want them to come over and mow your lawn, it's going to cost you some big money. If you want them to come clean your house, it's going to cost you some big money, right? Same goes for working on your car, painting your house. It's all give and take. It's like I say, folks, not everybody goes to college, but they are smart enough to know that you do not want to do manual labor and you don't think that you have to because you have a college degree. So, whatever somebody charges you to mow your lawn, you will pay it. And that's basically all you can do is pay because either that, you're going to go out and mow the lawn yourself. And a lot of people might have a master's degree, they might have a PhD. But some of them are not even smart enough to start the lawnmower. <laughs> That's something. So we're going to go to another song here. Where should we go? About. Play a little cake with a song called Never There.
And once again, you're tuned in to Louie Live and your host, Louie, and we are definitely live, and I hope you're enjoying the show so far. you got to stick with me because I'm getting over the flu, and my sinuses are still really bothering me, and you know how it is. It feels like your head's going to explode, and your face just wants to fall off on the counter. <laughs> now, when you laugh, you want to cough your brains out. So, this is Cake with a song called Never There. You're going to want to turn it up for this one also, folks. I need your arms around me. I need to feel your touch. with a song called Never There. So where do we go from that? Let's see. This article right here says uh, the state hires private security for Vermont's Barry Courthouse. The state of Vermont has hired a private security company to help boost security at the Barry Courthouse. Little town in Vermont Half of it's empty. The other half is burnt. But 
For what you read on the news, it's where the state releases most of its pedophiles from prison. And according to the laws in Vermont, a pedophile cannot live within a thousand feet of a school. But there's so many in Barrie that they can't enforce that law. Seems kind of pointless to make laws. And then the government themselves break the laws. And it's really kind of odd to think that this day and age in the year 2020, the 21st century, we live in a time where we can go to the moon. Right? But yet, they pass a law saying that a pedophile cannot live within a thousand feet of a school. And for some reason, I don't know if it's magic, something mystical, that this pedophile will not be able to get to that school a thousand feet away to abduct a child. We can go to the moon, but a pedophile living a thousand feet from a school cannot abduct a child. You know, the reality is, folks, that pedophiles will go to hell to abduct a child. And whoever came up with this law thinking that a thousand feet from a school was safe for a child, needs to have a psychiatric evaluation. And the parents need to be thinking about their children and the safety of their children. They need to be confronting their politicians saying, in what state of mind are you thinking that a thousand feet will keep a child safe in school from a pedophile. Parents have to get involved and run for the school board. They have to get on the city council. They have to run for mayor, run for governor, run for president of the United States of America to keep the child safe from these horrific evil monsters known as pedophiles. Nowadays, they're trying to be more politically correct and get their name changed to a... I don't even want to discuss it. It's just disgusting. They are becoming normalized because a lot of cultures moving into the United States of America have arranged marriages. They will arrange the marriage of a child while it's still in the mother's womb. A lot of these cultures, the men will marry an eight-year-old girl to be his bride. They don't see this as pedophilia. They see it as part of their culture. And a lot of bleeding heart liberals are saying, 
oh, we have to import all of these people into the United States. I know we do not. There's a lot of people like this in the United States that are on death row because they are pedophiles. We do not need to import people from around the world that pedophilia is in their culture. And we are not supposed to accept it. We are supposed to get involved in society and stand up for our children's rights. I've been on the airwaves a lot of years, folks. Probably about 25 years. Sat here every week and read a lot of articles. One thing I've always said is that evil flourishes while good people do nothing. At least get involved for the safety of your children. Because it's going to be a really scary world in about 20 years from now, folks. Especially if a Democrat becomes president and they rip up the Constitution and they drop the borders and everyone from around the world is just allowed to come here and do as they please, live as long as they want to here, buy property, get involved in politics, totally erase the United States as to what it is now, the greatest country in the world. God help us if another Democrat becomes president. A lot of the Democrats are starting to stand up saying how their party is no longer the party of John F. Kennedy and Camelot. Now the party has swooped way to the left. Bernie Sanders was on TV last week saying that if he is elected, you'd better like socialism because he is a socialist. Those are his words. Socialists slash communists. Basically the same thing, folks. They want you to rely on the government. They would love to see you on welfare, standing in a bread line all day to get a loaf of bread. Bernie Sanders had said himself in interviews that bread lines are good. Can you imagine that? This is the guy who him and his family have been on a gravy train all of his life. One thing you can say about Bernie Sanders, though. <clears throat> you see all of these people who have their son or their nephew or somebody on one of these committees over in the Ukraine representing an oil company making millions of dollars a year in kickbacks, right? No experience whatsoever. Nancy Pelosi's son, John, is involved in the Ukrainian scandals. And she knows that if she hands these impeachment papers over to the Senate, it is no longer in her hands. The Democrats will have absolutely no control in the Senate, just as the Republicans had absolutely no control in the House.
and the Senate will investigate the Ukrainian scandals. And as I said, John Durham has been given the power by Attorney General William Barr to prosecute people and put them in prison for life as he once did in Massachusetts. Nancy Pelosi knows this, that if they open up this investigation into the Ukraine, her son John is involved. Joe Biden's son is involved. Joe Biden himself has taken money from these oil companies in the Ukraine. John Kerry's son or nephew is involved. Whitey Bulger's son sits on these committees in Ukraine and they all get millions of dollars a year. And they have zero experience in the energy field. That's what Nancy Pelosi is scared to death of, folks. You heard it right here. I've been saying it all along. That she knows that she will never go to prison. And Joe Biden will never go to prison, and neither will John Kerry. But their kids will. And Bill Barr, the Attorney General, and John Durham will open this can of worms and put them all in prison for life. And that's why Nancy Pelosi hasn't handed over the impeachment papers to the Senate. And people say, well, you know, Donald Trump was impeached. Uh, no, no, he was not. They voted to impeach him on two separate articles. Abuse of power was one of them because he would not cooperate with the impeachment hearings. And he doesn't have to because he's the president of the United States, number one. Number two, they have this thing in the United States called the Miranda rights, which no one ever talks about except for me on this show. You won't hear this on MSNBC or CNN or you won't hear it on Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson, Mark Levin. You only hear it right here, folks. And the fact is that these people all know that there's an honor amongst thieves. They can protect themselves, but their children will pay for their sins. Terrible thing, isn't it? Joe Biden said if he is elected president of the United States, he is going to put in prison these executives of the fossil fuel companies. Well, let's look at his son, Hunter Biden. He's sitting on a committee for a fossil fuel company. That makes him an executive, doesn't it? So, therefore, when Joe Biden says he's going to put in prison executives of these fossil fuel companies, 
He's talking about his son, Hunter Biden. He's going to put his own son in prison. Can you imagine that? I don't know if Joe Biden ever thinks about the words coming out of his mouth. Just like Bernie Sanders. He's got commercials on the television. And Bernie says to the crowd, he says, the government has always controlled things and the problems with the United States and the world is caused by the government. Which is true. But, Bernie Sanders always talks as if he's not a part of the government. But he has been for like the last 40 years. All of his life. Bernie Sanders has been <clears throat> involved in politics. Starting with the mayor of Burlington, Vermont right here. Where Bernie Sanders and his wife Jane went on their honeymoon to Russia. All the Democrats refer to Russia right now as evil. And Vladimir Putin, the president, is evil. But yet Bernie Sanders and his wife Jane got married about 40 years ago. And they went to Russia on their honeymoon at the height of the Cold War. Well, how the heck do you go to Russia at the height of the Cold War? Would you need consent? from the federal government, I would think. And then when he came back, he was the mayor of Burlington, Vermont, right? And he created all of these little sister cities throughout the USSR. What's the purpose of that? Now, if he was a Republican, people would be saying that maybe he created these sister cities throughout the USSR to launder money through. Yeah, that's what it is. Bernie was involved in all kinds of uh, devious things, representing the crime world, and he's creating laws to help the crime world, and therefore they're paying him, and they're giving him kickbacks, and he's laundering that money throughout these sister cities in the USSR. That's exactly what... Adam Schiff's interpretation would be, right? Even if they had a phone transcript of Bernie Sanders talking with the president of Russia and two dozen people were listening in on it and the whole thing was totally legit, you would have someone like Adam Schiff sitting there with a transcript in his hand and not even read any of it, but he would give the public his interpretation of what he thought the transcript was meant to say. That is the respect the president got in the House by the Democrats. And they wanted to hurry up and ram this thing through and hurry up and vote to make sure that they kept the votes to impeach the President of the United States on two charges. And one of them was obstruction of justice or abuse of power because he wasn't cooperating with the way they were trying to impeach him. And like I say, folks, they have the Miranda rights in this country. 
which are, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say or do will be used against you in a court of law. So see, the president didn't have to say or do anything because it would be used against him in a court of law. To impeach him when he had absolutely no purpose to impeach him. No evidence on anything. No witnesses. And now that they voted and they processed it and it should go to the Senate, they're saying, well, uh, we have a few witnesses we would like to question in the Senate. Well, they could have questioned them in the House. They had all the time in the world. And they were allowed to ask them anything that they wanted to. And they would not allow the Republicans to ask anybody So we're into our second half of the show. Where do you go from there? They had uh, President Trump. He took out the head general, the representative of the Iranians, the head terrorist country in the world. It's basically all Iran is known for is terrorism. They don't really have much else to contribute to society. And this uh, general, Qasim Sambanili, I don't have the article in front of me, but I heard it on the radio enough today. <coughs> he was a real threat to his own people. There's a lot of dissension going on over in Iran. People over there are smart and educated. They want their freedom. They want to have the rights of the people in the United States of America. Because over in those third world countries, folks, regardless of what people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren say, they want you to flood the United States with people like that from around the world that literally take gay people, for instance, and we've seen it all on the news, and they throw them off of the top of buildings to kill them for their own entertainment because they don't believe in the gay lifestyle and they won't tolerate it. So they literally take gay people and throw them off of the rooftops of buildings. So, these people want their rights. They want their freedom. And you don't see it on many news stations today. But when they killed this top general, a lot of people over in Iran were dancing in the streets because they think they might be a little bit closer to having their freedom. They say that just in the last month or so alone, this general is responsible for over 1,000 deaths of his own people, dissidents who are fighting for their rights. They want their freedom. And apparently they're willing to die for it. And this guy, Quafim Sambanillo, 
Hopefully I'm saying it right. Like I said, I don't have the article in front of me. But he got taken out by a drone strike. I mean, this guy supposedly was on the news about a month ago bragging about how they attacked the embassy over there. And there was nothing that the United States could do about it, right? There's nothing that the United States could do about defending their people over in the Middle East. Well, this guy apparently doesn't know President Donald Trump because Donald Trump gave the order to take this guy out. Get him off of the field, they said. So this guy supposedly came flying in from somewheres, got out of the plane, went over and got into a motorcade of vehicles, and then the drone flew in and struck the vehicle he was in with two missiles. And I was watching on the news this morning there is nothing less to this vehicle set for a burning pile of twisted metal. Now, this general was known for having this big gold ring with a big red jewel sticking out of it. And that's how they identified this guy. Because he was blown into a billion pieces by these two <laughs> missiles from the drone strike. And basically all that was left to him was a piece of his arm in his hand with this big red jewel ring on it. So they definitely know that they took this guy out and blew him into a million pieces. So you got the Democrats jumping all over the news saying, oh my God, you know, Bernie Sanders, what did he say? It's like, or was it Don, uh, Joe Biden? One of them said it was like President Trump threw a stick of dynamite into a tinderbox. I mean, really? They're like, Donald Trump is going to go to war with Iran. No, he's not. <coughs> President Trump made a speech pointing out the fact that this guy was a massive killer of his own people dissenting for their rights. They wanted their freedom. And in the past month or so, this guy is known to have killed over a thousand of his own people just to stop them from getting their rights. President Trump received a message from a woman over there who was a human rights advocate commending President Trump for taking out this general because she said now they're a little closer to having their freedom and maybe that that's possible now. So no, we are not going to war with Iran. This is no way would bring us a step closer to war with Iran. And if you were the president of Iran, and you're seeing on the news how the head general got taken out by a drone, got struck by two missiles, 
blown into a million pieces, and the only thing basically is a piece of his arm with his ring on his hand. Now, do you really want to call President Trump's bluff? Do you want to try to egg him into going to war with you? Because President Trump, he did that when he first became president, remember? He gave the order to go over there, and he took out a lot of their runways. So their planes couldn't take off, and he blew up a lot of their planes and whatnot and their artillery. That's one of the first things that President Trump did when he stepped into office, just to show them that you are not messing with Obama and his Muslim Brotherhood. That's right, folks. So if you are the president of Iran... And you see what just happened to this guy, your head general? You're going to be looking up at the sky, aren't you? And you're going to be listening for a missile coming in at you. Because we have smart missiles. And I could be literally sitting right here at the studio with a computer monitor and a joystick. And I could launch a missile right over to this guy's bathroom window in Iran. And do it from right here in this booth down at the radio station. That's how good our technology is nowadays. These dictators from around the world, they know it. They know that President Trump is nobody to mess around with. So, I get a kick out of seeing all the stuff on social media, though. You know, and especially people like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. They're all on this big Iran war thing, aren't they? Oh, my God. President Trump just threw a stick of dynamite in a tinderbox. You know, folks, the technology we have nowadays, can't they come up with a better saying than a stick of dynamite in a tinderbox? I mean, really? You gotta be like 80 years old to even understand that saying. Nobody really knows what a stick of dynamite is nowadays, and they especially don't know what a tinderbox is. You know, if you're gonna come out with a saying like that, you gotta think about the millennials whose vote you want. And you gotta come up with something more hip. Something to do with your smartphone, your iMac. Maybe like some, uh, put on those glasses there, the 3D reality things, and talk about launching a missile over there, you know? Just gotta, you gotta get with it. You know, these guys got $34 million, Bernie Sanders does. That's what he raised in the last quarter. Hire somebody that can connect your old white butt to the millennials. Isn't that kind of odd how the liberals... They really hate white men. You know, especially older white guys. They talk about racist, toxic masculinity. Oh, you're an old white guy. You're definitely a racist. You're full of toxic masculinity. But yet, who are the guy they're going to vote for? Bernie Sanders, old white guy. Joe Biden, old white guy. They got articles here talking about how Joe Biden is a racist. 
How he's making like racist statements. <coughs> then we'll kick over to something else here for a minute because we got about a half hour to go. I don't know if my friend Jerome P. Alimony is coming in tonight. <coughs> this article right here says uh, the new Burlington YMCA opened its doors. I'm sure you heard about it. I mean, I've been watching it on the news for the last several nights. It's basically the main story that they're running with for the past week. You live in Burlington. It's not a big town. Maybe about 50,000 people. Everybody knows we're getting a new YMCA. God only knows it took us forever to get a Walmart here in Vermont. Now we actually got a Target, too. Yeah. We're uh, pushing right up there towards the 21st century, folks. That's why nobody wants to come to Vermont. Because there's nothing to do here. People come here to die. You know, these kids, they get out of school. They go to college in another state. Because basically, the only good college we got is the University of Vermont. And that's mostly a medical school. So if you want to major in something else, you basically got to get out of Vermont. I mean, we've all seen on the news within the last year, they've closed about four colleges in Vermont. I don't know what that is. I don't know if Bernie and his wife Jane got anything to do with it, but it all started with Burlington College going under. And then they all said the schools just starting to fall like dominoes. So, like I said, you get out of high school, most likely you're going to go to college in another state. You're not going to be able to come back here and get a job because Vermont is like the one of the most unfriendly states there is to business. I mean, there's so many taxes to pay. There's so many hurdles to jump to start a business. There's so much red tape. It's insane. So you're going to go somewhere else. Then you're not going to come back here to raise a family because you're afraid that your kids are going to grow up and they're going to leave the state. So, state of Vermont, what they're doing is they're offering people like $10,000 to move back to Vermont. Now, I don't know what gives Vermont politicians the right to use my tax dollars to try to get people to move to Vermont. I don't know, seems unconstitutional, should be illegal. I mean, those are my taxes. They're supposed to be going towards repairing the infrastructure, not getting people to move to Vermont. I mean, once they do move here, what are they gonna do? There's no guarantee they're gonna start a business Right? So why even bother? But like I was saying, how Vermont is a small state. Not a lot to do here. We have a new YMCA. That's a big deal. Could go there. Says uh, the people in Burlington now have a new place to work out, take classes, and stay healthy just in time for the new year. The new YMCA officially opened its doors this past Wednesday morning to hundreds of people looking to get a jump on their New Year's resolution. 
The $20 million building is a big upgrade from the old brick YMCA just a block away. Inside, there are new pools, workout equipment, and meeting spaces for the community. And after years of fundraising and dealing with a cramped and outdated building on College Street, it was time for an upgrade. So, what's going to happen to the old YMCA just right up the street? Probably nothing. Folks probably going to sit there empty for years. Because from what we've seen in the city of Burlington, whether it's the Moran plant that burnt about 50 years ago, and the shell of it's just been sitting there empty. Now, with the Moran plant, they say it's going to cost about $20 million to either tear it down and deal with the asbestos and whatnot, lead paint, or about $20 million to renovate it and deal with the asbestos and lead paint. Now we have the Memorial Auditorium right over by the old YMCA, which has been empty for years, and they say the same situation. Either we tear it down or we remodel it. It's going to cost approximately $20 million dollars to deal with the lead paint and asbestos and whatnot, which the city, once again, doesn't have. And a lot of investors don't want to get involved because in the state of Vermont, folks, it takes probably about 10 years on the average just to get through the red tape to start construction, if you even do get through the red tape. So we've got the Moran plant sitting there about 50 years, burnt, no progress. Memorial Auditorium been there empty for years. I don't even know how many. Let's say about ten anyway or so. Now you're going to have the old YMCA. That's going to be sitting there empty, I'm sure. And I'm sure it's going to be the same situation where if you want to renovate it or tear it down, it's going to cost you approximately twenty million dollars because of lead paint and asbestos, why not? Another reason why people don't want to move to Vermont, folks, because the state of Vermont is old. A lot of the buildings are over 100 years old. They're full of lead paint and asbestos. It's not very healthy. Nobody wants to have little babies and raise them in an old 100-year-old house full of lead paint and asbestos. I tell my wife, if we did not live in Vermont and we came to Burlington, the largest city in the state of Vermont, and we were driving through, right? We're driving through Pine Street area, King Street area, Maple Street area. A lot of the houses down there look like a ghetto. I said, you would have your windows up and your doors locked. Now, if you drove over to the North Street area, same thing. Most of the buildings looked pretty ghetto. Tired, run, down, slum looking. A lot of the buildings in town, they're like weird looking purple or pink. From what I hear, a lot of people go down to the city center, they drop off their old paint, 
And what they do is they take all this paint and they mix it together. And they'll add some kind of funky color to it, like a lime green. And then they give it to people to paint their homes. Or a bright pink or a bright purple. And you drive through town, whether you go down to King Street area, you see all these bright lime green houses or bright purple houses or pink. Same thing to North Street area. You go over to Riverside Avenue, same deal. A lot of run-down, old, 100-year-old houses. A lot of the houses in Burlington area, folks, don't even have a doorbell, right? A lot of them are rental units, and they're owned by a handful of people. And now, they're trying to do away with the parking space in front of your house to create bike lanes to make it come a more of a hip place to live in. You know, come to Burlington and uh, be a hippie and ride your electric bike all over the place. And we have bike lanes we're setting up. And these roads are not very wide, folks. They were not meant to have oncoming traffic and bike lanes. It's just not meant to be in the city of Burlington. You know, this city was designed hundreds of years ago for horses and carriages, not buses and bike lanes and whatnot. So now throughout the city, they're trying to take away parking in front of people's houses to create bike lanes, and a lot of people are really upset about that. But... The Democrats and the progressives, they run the city of Burlington and the state of Vermont. It's the self-proclaimed most liberal state in the country. And they'll come and have breakfast with you. They'll listen to you for hours. They'll seem really concerned. And then they walk the door and and they're like, heck with them. And they do what they want. Just wasting your breath, folks. Gonna go to another song here really quick. What could we play? About a little Weezer. This song is called Hash Pipe. And once again, you're tuning in to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. I hope you're enjoying the show today. And I forgot to say that uh, this is a live call-in show. And after the song, if you want to call and we'll discuss something, the number is 
All right, and that was Weezer with a song called Hash Pipe. I guess you could play that song nowadays because marijuana is becoming legalized in Vermont. They say you can have an ounce of marijuana or you could grow four plants of marijuana, but you cannot sell any of this, right? So let's say the law allows you to have four marijuana plants. I think they're saying too mature and too immature. Meaning one ready to harvest, I mean two, two mature ready to harvest, and the other two that are on their way to being harvested, right? So, now do you think if you had, say, maybe a dozen marijuana plants, do you think the police are actually going to get out of their chair to come arrest you for having too many marijuana plants? You know, maybe if they heard that you had a couple dozen plants and they're all like eight feet tall and they're all around your house and whatever, yeah, they would probably drive by and bust you. Then they would take that marijuana and go sell it somewhere and make some money. But as far as if you had a half a dozen plants, I don't think they would really bother getting out of the chair. So we've got about 15 minutes left. Show goes by quick, whether you have the flu or not. I'm sure, my voice doesn't sound too good. Like I said, this flu thing is terrible. I was in laying around in the house the other day doing basically nothing. Today I'm a little bit better. My head still feels like it's going to explode and my sinuses are going to fall out of my head. But, you know, <laughs> like I said, I don't ever get sick. I don't get headaches. I don't get sore throats, knock on wood. So I kind of have to just go with it and in a sick way, enjoy the feeling, right? Because <laughs> I guess I could relate to being sick now to people. It's hard to feel sorry for people being sick when you don't really ever get sick yourself. You know, knock on wood. Those are genetics that I inherited from my father. He was never sick either. So we're going to jump around here. Like I was saying earlier, this video edited to suggest that Joe Biden made racist remarks. I didn't see it. I'm not going to judge him, but he is pretty creepy, and I think he's a pedophile, and uh, I'm sure he's been to the Jeffrey Epstein pedophile island or ranch out in Arizona or wherever the heck it is. I'm sure there's places all over the world for people like this. But... This article says the edited clip was, was less than 20 seconds long. Biden says, Our culture is not imported from some African nation or some Asian nation. I don't even know what this means. No, Joe Biden, he doesn't know what it means either. I mean, the guy's very scattered brained. Who knows? kind of skipping with the same subject. This is very bad right here. The New York state has new bail rules that went into effect this past Wednesday. A lot of situations now, a person can be arrested and they can be right back out onto the streets within hours and they don't even have to post any more bail money anymore. And it says, 
classify attempted luring as a non-bailable offense. Because this article right here is uh, police arrested 54-year-old John Froome after they say he attempted to abduct a four-year-old boy from the Crete Center on December 9th, right over here across the lake in Plattsburgh. You could take the ferry and go across the lake in the Crete. Civic Center is right there. And this guy, John Froome, was there December 9th trying to abduct a four-year-old. And that's sick. Apparently, his little brothers and sisters were looking out for him and they warned the father. And the father confronted this guy and basically told him to get lost, right? But this guy got arrested for trying to abduct a four-year-old from the crate center in Plattsburgh on December 9th. And these people go to jail now. And they don't even have to raise bail money. They just release them. And they give them a citation to go to court, saying about a month or so down the road. And in that time, these sick individuals are out breaking the law again. And we've seen it many times. How this law can even be established is beyond me, folks. This is where the Supreme Court needs to step in and says, you know, a lot of these fences, these offenses are very sick and twisted. And this guy is a pedophile, and God only knows that if he managed to get out the door with this boy, and he was telling him right here, they need to go outside to see Santa Claus. He says Santa Claus was outside with snowmobiles and that they needed to go outside to see Santa Claus. And that his six-year-old brother was out there too, so it was okay. Now, if this pervert would have got that four-year-old boy outdoors, they never would have seen him again. And God only knows what this monster would do to this four-year-old boy, right? So then these politicians in New York pass this law saying that this is a non-bailable offense. That's the new politically correct term. Non-bailable offense. And he would have gotten out of jail. He would have been released to emergency housing, wearing an ankle monitor, and unable to leave the county. But in court, Froome himself asked the judge if he could stay behind bars, and the judge granted his wish. Now this guy knows that he is an evil monster, and he will offend, and he will try to abduct another child, and he knows that he belongs in jail. And he asked the judge if he could stay in jail. It's like I say sometimes, folks, the lawyers and the judges that leap these people out on the streets are worse than the criminals themselves. I always say, folks, you have to defend your children's rights. And people like this have to be dealt with. And from what we've seen over the years, 
through psychiatric evaluations. These people, such as pedophiles like this, they do not change. They do not wish to change. And in my opinion, for the safety of our children, these monsters should be getting the death penalty and they should be getting it immediately. They shouldn't be sitting on death row for the next 20 years, waiting to die from old age, getting a nice warm bed to sleep in, three meals a day, free medical, free dental, free education, conjugal visits from anyone that's willing to come see them. Pretty sick, huh? <clears throat> I, for one, have always been willing to say on the airwaves or anywhere in public that I do not support my tax dollars giving these people a cozy life in prison. And they will not change. And they say they will not change, and a lot of them will not go through treatment. And they are released eventually. And they refuse treatment. And that tells you something right there, folks. That they will be act out on the streets. And your children are not safe. This is another scary thing right here, folks. This is the state of New Hampshire. It says thousands register after New Hampshire allows sports betting. Talk about taking advantage of people's hardships and addictions. This is bad right here. It says the New Hampshire lottery says that more than 6,000 people registered to bet on sports in the state in the first day since the launch. Now imagine. 6,000 people registered. New Hampshire on Monday became the second New England state to offer sports betting. The state now offers sports betting online and on mobile devices. So you can even gamble right on your phone, which, as we all know, never leaves people's hands nowadays. People even sleep with their phone next to their head. They go to the bathroom, they bring their phone with them. Yes, bad thing when they created these smartphones. Rhode Island launched sports betting a year ago. The New Hampshire Lottery reported Tuesday night that there were more than 6,000 registered players and more than $250,000 wagered so far the first day. The lottery says it's seeing a significant number of Massachusetts residents registering and playing in New Hampshire. So see, they're going right across the border to register. <coughs> it's like I said, folks, a lot of people live a life of hardship. And they will spend their last dollar on a scratch ticket or something, or a lottery ticket, to try to win a chance at a better life. But... When you're buying a Powerball ticket and they say you got a better chance of being struck by lightning 10 times in some circumstances. And that's the truth. But myself, when it gets up there, I'll buy a Powerball because I like to have that dream of winning maybe like $400 million. And you might walk away with what, $250 million cash. So what do you do? 
you could spend that $50 million on just buying homes around the world, paying cash for. And you still got $200 million to burn, which you're never going to do. You couldn't even spend the interest on that money. But it's nice to have a dream like that, isn't it? I always said that if I ever won a big Powerball like that, I would like to build a wing onto a hospital, maybe here in Vermont. People say, well, you know, would it be for like certain types of cancer victims or would it be for like uh, children or whatever? I mean, how could you really have that kind of money and only spend it on one type of illness or disease? I mean, you would kind of like to contribute to finding the cures for pretty much anything, right? You would hope to. But, like I say, as far as this uh, online gambling goes, I've known people that were gamblers. And they'll borrow $50 off of one person. And they'll go bet it on something. They might win $100. So then they'll come back and give you your $50 back. They might owe another guy $25. So then they've got $25 to themselves. And they'll go right around and bet that on something else. You know, you see a lot of people that will sell everything they own. Because gambling is a disease. It's a really bad addiction. I don't think this... Online gambling, it's not going to be good at all, folks. You know, you see, uh, they have a show on TV called How the Lottery Changed My Life. And people will, most of them will win like $1 million. And the guy will come to them and they'll say, okay, you want to take that million dollars and you want to buy a house with it. So he'll go out and he'll meet with a realtor in that area, find like three or four different houses to look at show it to them, and then they'll decide on one house to buy. But in all the situations, they'll say, well, I bought a $10 scratch ticket. And they won a million dollars. They'll say, that was my last $10. Because that's how gambling is. But you know, they don't ask the person, how many $10 tickets have you bought over the course of your lifetime? And finally, you won a million dollars, which still isn't going to carry you through life. You're still going to have to go out and work and pay the bills. But that's the thing. They never ask them, how many billion dollar, I mean, how many $10 tickets did you buy? They never do. Going to get going here. And I'll see you back here next Friday, 6 o'clock. And I hope you all have a good week and enjoyed the show today. And be kind to one another. And take care. Bye.